Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott's Got a Podcast, and today I'm joined by Chris Stoner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm quite good this week, Scott. Yourself? I'm very well, mate. So, Chris, this week, believe it or not, we've got a Celtic win to talk about and not a defeat. Yeah, aye. Change days. So, we'll dive right into it and we'll talk about Celtic's two each drop with Leo in the Europa League. Chris, what did you make of the performance? Uh, certainly was a rebound performance. Um, 2 2 in then, there was a result you'd have taken before the game. Uh, way it went down did feel a little bit disappointing, but definitely knew there was positives to take from it. Um, Scott Bain, I think he had a wonderful game bar one moment in goal. Um, I think he's cemented the, well, not number one, but he'll be the starting keeper for the foreseeable future. Um, made a good save in the early part of the game. Um, also turned a free kick over the bar after Shane Duffy gave up a free kick on the edge of the box. Um, did get one goal chopped off for being offside by Ayeti, but wasn't too long after that that we opened the scoring. A wonderful strike from El Yunusi. Yeah, the keeper had no chance for that. That was a wonderful outside. strike, yeah. I thought that was a superb keeper, strike. On you go. Keeper just stood still. I don't think he... Don't think the keeper could have done anything about it. I think he was caught off guard, and that was how he didn't really even attempt to save it. So, and uh, I need to say this, Chris. Uh, uh, you were at the wind up in Scott score chat and saying that was better than Roof's goal against Standard Liège. That's where I completely shut that down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought I'd put that in a wee bit of a trolling job. Um, but I then not too long after that, it was um, 2 0. El Yunusi again with another goal. Um, Quite a good assist from Frimpong. The ball actually was behind El Yunusi and it was quite a good finish right into the corner of the net. The keeper wasn't going to save that one. Yeah, it's hard to say, um, see El Yunusi's uh, second goal. Like I, Chris, I want to say, see for El Yunusi's uh, second goal. I thought the technique he showed was really, really good. And at that moment in time, I, th- I was thinking, right, Celtic can go on to batter Leo here. And El Yunusi seems to be Celtic's star man at this moment in time. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I was selecting him in the early part of the season and criticising Neil Lennon for always forcing him into the lineup. Um, definitely doesn't work as part of a front two, but playing him out in the left, he's not a natural position and boy, he does wonders for us. But so, see, after uh, Celtic's second goal, Leo really started to grow into the game. Leo started getting into the game, do you say? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I thought you said that, just a bit of a dodgy connection here. Um, but yeah, they did get a penalty. Um, it was Shane Duffy, he seems to be the blame man for everything at the moment, um, fouling the Lille player. Um, it did appear to be on the edge of the box, so it was a bit debatable over should it have actually been a penalty. Um, Scott Bain, heroics again, um, managed to save the penalty, stuck kept his legs stuck out, stuck in the middle, so any attempt like that, it's always going to get saved. Yeah, and uh, if I'm being honest, Chris, I thought Celtic were very lucky to go in with a lead intact, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, obviously the pe- saving the penalty, and then Bain did make an error um, on the stroke of half-time. Um, he kicked away a free kick or a cross away and then the ball came to him in the box it should have been an 
easy like up, but he managed to spill it, and then the Lille player should have buried it. But Celtic were very fortunate. Um, Lille were denied by the crossbar. Yeah. So see that moment in time, Chris. Were you thinking right? Second half, we need to be cautious, we need to get another one to kill us off, or else they're going to gradually start to get back into this game, and that's what actually happened. Yeah, um, there wasn't very much a Celtic in the second half, um, it was disappointing. I, I did know that we always had the potential to pull it back, so I did, did feel as though we definitely needed to get one more, and that would have killed the game. Um, and then eventually they did get back in the corner from Leo where it came off the player's head and then the boy the back back post um, was managed to break away totally unmarked and managed to beat Bain at his near post. Do you think um Bain should have done better with that goal? Yes the Celtic defence was horrific for that, but do you think Bra- do you think Bain could have done better or do you think it was unlucky for him? Because it went right through his arms, so it was um Definitely was a wee bit unlucky. Um, he did try and make himself as big as he can. Um, did make contact with, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough. So, some blame, I guess, can be apportioned to him. Even though he was trying his best, you could see that. Um, and then the second one, he was rooted to the spot. Um, the shot was deflected. Completely took the ball away from him. There was nothing he could have done about that. So, so. What did you make of Celtic's overall performance second half? Were you, did you think, right, that's two points dropped? Um, given the, as says at the start of the segment, I would have taken the result before the game, but um, yeah, definitely can't deny I felt disappointed that um, surrendering a two-goal lead to draw it. So yeah, there definitely was an element that I felt like we dropped two points. Yeah, and I see the second half, Chris, it was all Leo. Um, they seem rattled to be 2-0 down in the first half and they are a good side so they are Chris and it was Celtic's defending and lack of composure which let Celtic down on the night Yeah, if you're going up against a squad that's battling for top of the French League against a side like PSG yeah, you definitely need to defend better than what we did so, what did you make of uh, Ajeti's performance on the night? Do you think um, he do you think he played well, or are you expecting a lot more out of him? Uh, definitely expecting a lot more out of him if he's going to um, want the backup job to Edward as Edward returned on Sunday. We'll come to Sunday's game, but um, if he wants to cement his spot as the second choice striker, I would have expected a bit of a better performance, especially when in recent weeks Lee Griffiths has come off the bench and put a shift in. Yeah. So, see, currently right now, Chris, are you concerned about the Celtic defence? Because last season, especially in the second half of the season, Celtic's defence looked very well organised and they always looked in control. But ever since Shane Duffy's came into the side, Iron Duffy, they're not a partnership at all, and there's no chemistry there whatsoever. Like, are, so, do you think the reason Celtic are struggling defensively currently is purely down to Shane Duffy and how he's the weak link in the Celtic defence? What's your thoughts? Well, he's definitely made his fair share of errors over the last couple of games, but I don't think 
he can apportion all of the blame to him. Obviously, we're, we've had a bit of luck, a bit of bad luck even, um, with El Hamed, Eton, you know, um, with COVID, um, Julian's still to come back, um, and now we've got Ayers picked an injury up, don't know how long he's got to come out for, so it really feels at the moment like a case of the sooner we get Julian back fit, the better. So what would you say Celtic's ideal defensive partnership then? Um, I would, um, once they're both back fit and healthy, I'd go back to last season, Iron Julian. Iron Julian. So see, going forward for the time being, as you were saying, looks like Ayer's going to be out for a wee bit. Who would you play as Celtic's two centre-halves? Um, well, I hate to say it, seeing as... Um, no real depth. Um, Duffy is going to start all games. Um, and then Eton, I think he'll be a other centre back going forward for the next few weeks or however long it's going to take before Ayer and or Julian are back. Yeah. So I just want to touch on Scott Bean again, right? I feel as though it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance from Bean in a sense because first half. Uh, he made some great saves, uh, saved the penalty. Then second half, um, maybe for, I'll probably say for, uh, maybe a couple of goals he could have done better, you know. Um, and even towards the, the tail end of the first half, as we touched on, where he bizarrely came off his line and uh, he should have caught the ball and he dropped it and then Celtic got away with that, where the... When the real player had the shot, just tipped off the crossbar and then went out. So, I do agree with you, do, uh, though, Chris, that for the time being, he has to be Celtic's number one. Because as was stated on the podcast many times, it looks like Barkas is not up to it whatsoever. No, definitely not. Um, a lot of the games, Barkas hasn't really been forced to do a lot. And when he's has been expected to make a save or whatever, he's not done it and we paid uh, well I don't think we've paid quite up to it yet but his deal could be worth up to five and a half million so that's ridiculous you do expect a keeper of that value to make saves when called upon and just to think you could have got David Marshall on peanuts and David Marshall is still a very very capable goalkeeper and he's much better than Barkas, that's for sure, and I do think he is better than Scott Bain, and you're seeing that just now as David Marshall is Scotland's number one. Yeah, and even looking down the ranks of Scotland squad, um, Craig Gordon we called, uh, he's coming up in 38, we let him go back to Hearts for a free, um, and that's a keeper we let walk out the door to ultimately sign Barkas, who hasn't looked up to it since he signed for us. And speaking of Craig Gordon, Chris, he had a brilliant game against Tibbs in the Scottish Cup semi-final at the weekend. Unbelievable game. See, if it wasn't for Craig Gordon, uh, Hearts would have lost that game. Yeah, 100%. Um, not seen much back of that game, but um, I did see some of his saves, um, top draw saves, and as I say, he's um, nearly 38, but age hasn't slowing him down. Yeah. But I always felt as though that Craig Gordon, towards the end of his Celtic tenure, he was seen as uh, a scapegoat at times for Celtic fans. And that Celtic fans were just desperate to get rid of him. 
like see when he did leave, were you one of those Celtic fans were like that were like okay, thank God Gordon's gone. Um, no, not really. Um, he was definitely a great servant to the club. Um, I remember there was some resentment when he signed that because he used to play for Hearts and that. I was at a game where there was fans saying all sorts of abusive words about him because of where he came from, but um, definitely did buy into the Celtic way in that eventually. Um, and definitely, it's. He wouldn't question his allegiances or anything. Any time he pulled the strip on, he definitely was all about Celtic when he was there. And as I say, he's definitely a great servant to the club. And I was sorry to see him go because I knew if he was called upon, he wasn't. I didn't see him going to get the number one jersey back, but if called upon, he was a very valuable goalkeeper to have in waiting. Yeah, because last season when he was at Celtic. He was third choice striker. Third choice striker. <laughs> uh, third choice goalkeeper. Sorry. <laughs> um, sorry. I was just thinking about how brilliant Rangers attacking force is, mate. <laughs> so yeah, he was third choice goalkeeper, right? And Scott Bain was ahead of him, but it seemed like Neil Lennon really never was fond of him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, he was definitely one of the better goalkeepers at the time, and Neil Lennon couldn't wait to get Fraser Forster back for the season. Yeah, so just see the way things have uh, panned out this season, uh, Chris, like in the goalkeeping department. It, you must be gutted you haven't got Fraser Forster there. Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, went back down to England um, because I think I've went on record a few times about this. Um, he's looking for a bigger bigger club to try and boost his chances of getting in back into the England squad somehow, but with the keepers ahead of him, um, I don't see him getting back in, even if like, he got the, the number one job at a Premier League club. And especially since Jordan Pickford has really upped his game since Ancelotti's came in to Everton, so yeah, I think it will be tough for him. So I, I don't even know if he's getting a game down south currently at Southampton. So No. No, I don't think it is. And there's other keepers ahead of him. Pope, Henderson, Heaton. Yeah, so it's... I As we're saying, it's not looking too good for him. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention, Chris, before we talk about the big game for Celtic tomorrow against Sparta Prague? Um, no, I was actually just going to come to that game. Um, yeah, how are you feeling about it? They're a good side, um, so they are. Neil Lennon says that it's, they're not an opponent to take for granted, um, despite the fact they lost 4-1 at home to Lille and then away to AC Milan 3-0. Um, definitely won't be an easy game, but I'm still pretty optimistic that we can get the win tomorrow night. Um, I'll say 2-0. Yeah, because that's the thing in Europe, Chris, you, you cannot underestimate any team you play against. And from what I've seen of Sparta Prague, yes, they've not started Europa League well, but from what I've seen... Look like a very decent side, so they so they do. So it's there are no slouches, right? And it's a big one for Celtic because going into this game, Celtic are the favourites, and Celtic have yet to win a game uh, in the Europa League uh, group stage so far. So this is massive for you, is mate. Pressure's on. Yeah, hundred percent. And after last week, if you look at 
that game is two points dropped. Um, it's definitely a must win, must win game. Yeah, hundred percent. Like Celtic need to win this. A point's not good enough. Could Celtic obviously they have a point in the board just now, right? But going into the third game into the group, right? And obviously there's a point on the board around. Just say Celtic drop more points tomorrow. Celtic be going into the fourth game with just two points. It's it's not good reading. So Celtic really need to up their game as soon as possible if they have any chance of getting out of this uh, group stage. Yeah, 100%. Um, Milan are on maximum points at the moment. Lille are on four. Um, if, we, if Lille manage to even get one win against AC um, and we don't, can't beat um, Sparta at home, we really don't deserve to get through. Mm-hmm. I'd have a chance to get through. No, I absolutely agree. So we'll move on, Chris. And as I said at the top of the pod, we've got a Celtic win to talk about. Celtic are in the Scottish Cup final after beating Aberdeen 2-0 at Hamden Park. And I have to be, it has to be said, Chris, I predicted this. I said Celtic would win this game. I couldn't see past Celtic. Um, I didn't have any faith in Aberdeen, to be honest. And it was a very comprehensive, comfortable win for Celtic. Yeah, it was. Um, at the start of the game, um, Aberdeen had a couple of dangerous crosses um, from to Sam Cosgrove. He couldn't really get his head to it. He got a corner out, one of them. But um, then after that, um, Edward, our key man, um, who we'd been missing, um, a shot straight to Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis came out and made a good save. Um, then Edward's well, second chance. I thought it was quite a poor second chance. It's really one he should have been burying. I thought it was didn't really test Joe Lewis enough. Um, so could have went ahead a bit sooner than what we ultimately did. And uh, Ryan Christie's goal, unbelievable strike. So it was. That's two fantastic goals Celtic scored in two games. <laughs> or three if you yeah, count yeah, Elmer's yeah, uh, second one against... I, and it's obviously, uh, if you want to count Ellen, it's his second goal against uh, Lille. So that's three fantastic goals Celtic have scored in uh, two games. But yeah, what a goal that was. Joe Lewis had no chance, Chris. Yeah, yeah it was completely over him. He's a tall keeper, but um, it was way over him. Um, it was never going to save it. Um, then 2-0, not too long after. Um, good cross from Tom Rogic. I think Rogic has really stepped it up and when he's been called on lately and offered something a bit different that Celtic have been missing. Um, then easy tap in from El Yanusi. Um Three goals in two games, the last two games. Yeah, and as I was saying earlier on, Chris, I think currently right now, he is Celtic star man. 100%. Like, he's yeah. in the form of his life. So he is. Yeah, definitely. Um probably exceeding his performance in the first half of last season before he went down but um, yeah definitely a key man at the moment um, and uh, I just want to say something Chris uh, sorry to interrupt right um, there's a bit of delay obviously so uh, don't worry guys I'm, I, I'm not talking over Chris <laughs> it's a bit of delay here but yeah Tom Rogage though see when he's fit he uh, like when he's fit and on form he's another player who's so key to Celtic going forward like he is a top yeah. top player, but it's just a shame for like from Celtic's point of view that he can't last ninety minutes. 
Yeah, it's a real shame because um, he'd be the perf- if he could go in a full nine, he'd be the perfect guy to drop Scott Brown for. Because um, Brown really halts any pace or attack that we seem to get. Um, so, Rogic, with his urgency, he would be your man to get us going for a full night if he could, if only could last that long. And uh, if I'm being honest, Chris, um, Aberdeen really didn't cause you any real bother. Um, the, the, second, uh, the second goal, as you said, was a tap-in for uh, Illinusi. And uh, Aberdeen's defence all over the place. And we, we touched on it last week, that Aberdeen's defence doesn't get enough criticism. And they got exploited against Celtic the other week. And that's what happened for the second goal in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Um, I thought Aberdeen's build-up play was fine. Uh, the tempo was decent. But in the final third, they just could not really create anything. They were trying to snatch at stuff, like snatch at chances. But they couldn't really do anything productive. And it was, a, as I said just there, it's a, it was a very comprehensive, comfortable afternoon for Celtic. But so even Celtic got the second, were you ever like worried in case Aberdeen could potentially get back into the game? No, no, I wasn't, to be honest. Um, I did, did think we were going to get a few more goals, to be honest. But um, Aberdeen, like, they had the better like, chances that they didn't dread with up in four our goals. But um, the way the played them, I was just like, no, I don't, even, we were 2-0 up on Thursday, that was a quality side, but no disrespect to Aberdeen, I don't feel too threatened by them, the way they've started off. Yeah, I agree, like, uh, and I just want to touch on uh, Sam Cosgrove, Uh, I was, like, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I was expecting it because of Celtic problems, right, or anything, but he is seen as Aberdeen's main threat especially in the final third right, and he was trying too hard and he wasn't in the game at all. No, like, as says already, he's come off his head twice before like, Celtic made any real chances. He um, had a shot straight at Scott Bain and half um, got to test, test the keeper a lot better than that. Um, so, performing like that, Aberdeen were never going to score. I know. And it, yeah, it was game over when the second one went in. And yeah, as I was saying as well, Aberdeen were they were trying to create stuff, but nothing was coming off of them, like, at all. And uh, Shane Duffy, oof, clean sheet. <laughs> With Shane Duffy in the defence, mate. Um, how do you think Shane Duffy done against Aberdeen? Like, it wasn't like he had much of a threat in the final third, but how do you think he done it? At least, uh, it's basically, I think the whole... Uh, mindset with Shane Duffy was after the Aberdeen game and what Aberdeen Celtic fans were saying was right he didn't mess up that's all that matters we got the clean sheet got the win we're out there no Shane Duffy mistakes but it wasn't like he had a good game or anything no he did block well the game was over at this point he did block a last gas chance for Aberdeen to get a consolation goal so that was something but um, yeah he didn't really need to do anything and fortunately then wasn't in a position to make any stupid mistakes. So, the Scottish Cup final against Hearts, how do you feel about that one? Um, uh, before you answer that, actually, Chris, the Edinburgh derby, I thought on Saturday, was a great advert for Scottish football. I thought it was a tremendous game, so it was. Lots of drama, excitement. Uh, it was 
fantastic. And I thought Hearts were well deserved winners on the night. Yeah, haven't I've only seen like we shot like video package of the main bits of action. I'll need to go back and watch it. But yeah, I did hear good things. Um, Arps looked like they really outperformed the Edinburgh rivals, and when they're the ones at the division below them. Yeah, uh, see when you look at that Hearts team, Chris. Uh, obviously, I need to ask you your thoughts on the Scottish Cup final, but we just speak about Hearts. Yeah, see when you look at that Hearts team. Just uh, say you've. Uh, you're, you're got so you're showing that game to someone and showing that Hearts team to someone who doesn't know anything about Scottish football, right? And you said to them, "Okay, what division do you think they're in?" And they right away they'll say, eh, "Top flight, hundred uh, percent." And if you tell them that they're in the championship, they'll be baffled because Hearts did not look like a championship side. They looked like a proper SPFL side against Hibs, and Hibs are no slouches. They're a good side, and Hearts beat them and deserved it. You know. So, Robbie Nielsen, credit where it's due, he's transformed that Hearts team. Yes, I know it's only one win against Hibs, right? But the way Hearts played on the day was tremendous. And it's, I, I think Celtic will win it, but it's going to be tough. But how do you feel about going into this Scottish Cup final against uh, Hearts? Who, and who would you would have preferred between Hibs and Hearts, actually? Um, yeah, I think um, definitely going to be a tough game. Um, rematch of last year's final quadruple treble at stake so good bit of pressure on us um, do think we should manage to come out and win it on the day um, who would have rather faced um, we, well, we beat Hibs comfortably early in the season and we've had the chance to figure them out get, figure out what they're all about and that by having played them so Hearts, there won't be as much familiarity with them, so we've been quite a refreshed Hearts side, so uh, that's, we'll definitely get that against us, but uh, um, I think our quality should still show on the day and pay off. Yeah, and I've uh, seen a lot of Hearts fans uh, on the, the old Twitter saying that they, they would love nothing more than to see Andy Halliday go out and lift the Scottish Cup. So that'll be a big one for Andy Halliday as well. So And he's got unfinished business in the, the Scottish Cup, especially considering what happened in the 2016, which I will not want to get into, as you know. Still haunts me to this day. But yeah, Andy Halliday will be well up for it. And um, it'll be an interesting final, but I can't see past Celtic, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the occasion. Yeah, and uh, before we move on to Rangers, Chris... Um, when is the Scottish Cup final, do you know? Um, Sunday the 20th of December. Yeah, that'll be an interesting affair. So, see, considering the way things are going with COVID, do you think there's any possibility that uh, fans could be in the stadium or do you think it'll be uh, no fans uh, for the foreseeable future? Um, not in the central belt. Um up north, Ross County, Highlands are in Tier 1, a bit like the test event they had against Celtic in the season. They are permitted 300 fans at the weekend, um, but um, we've been still so rife in the central belt, and who knows, maybe a Tier 4 lockdowns within in the central belt in Glasgow and that. Um, definitely don't think there'll be anyone there, which is sad, really, because I can see why it was rearranged for about Christmas time obviously the 
SFA were a bit hopeful that it could be like a grand occasion around Christmas time with fans in the stand and it would be what the life fans would need leading up to Christmas. So I'll be disappointed that it'll probably be an empty Hamden again. So Chris, I mean, you kick off the Rangers segment talking about two dafties, right? Jordan Jones and Edmondson were suspended by Rangers by breaking COVID protocol. They were caught uh, by the police at a party. Um, complete idiots. What's your thoughts? Yeah, they've been served a notice of complaint by the SFA and their disciplinary will be heard on the 19th of November. Um, it has understandably drawn comparisons to what the Aberdeen players and bowling goalie done earlier in the season. Um, I believe those two infants Incidents are a completely different kettle of fish. Obviously, by no means do I condone what Jones and Edmondson have done. Very serious situation. Um, shouldn't have done it. Um, understandably, well, caught in that, so punished by the police at the scene, fined. Face it, that's a slap at the wrist given the money they're on. But um, if that had played out differently, Rangers could have really been screwed. Um, would have jeopardised their momentum completely. Um, Obviously, European game this week, um, that would have threw that right up there. In fact, you were probably looking at a 3-0 forfeit. Um, so they've been forced to, and then they could have risked our players' health if it transpired afterwards and they were still showing up to training, um, forced to self-isolate by the club doctor. So, yeah... Rangers have handled it very well. Um, they've been credited by the Scottish government for their response. Um, Jordan Jones isn't going to be in the Northern Ireland squad for their huge Euro twenty twenty playoff. Um, so wait and see game now. What punishment they get, um, and if indeed any of their careers are over at Rangers. Yeah, and. They're only sorry they got caught, right? And do you know what really worries me, Chris, is the fact that these boys are out. We're going to go into training in a couple of days' time after that party, right? And they could have potentially have passed COVID onto the rest of the Rangers team. Would have thrown our whole season up in the air, as you said, right? And that would have been criminal considering how well we've started this season, Chris. It honestly would have been criminal. And it's it's not one of those things where it's like, yeah, daft, daft young boys, daft young footballers made, made a mistake, right? Jordan Jones is 27 years old. There's no excuse for him doing that whatsoever. And the boy's been given a second chance at Rangers. And for a long time, Jordan Jones was uh, not training with uh, the Rangers team. So, well, not, tra- not in fact, um, that's what I heard, right? That he wasn't training Rangers team. He was training with the kids for a bit, right? But he wasn't in Gerard's good books, right? So, Gerard's gave him a second chance. And it seems like he's hell-bent on pissing up his Rangers career against a wall. It, it, it's, like, it, it baffles me. And it's not like Jordan Jones is, uh, is not talented. He is. I like him as a footballer, right? But as a guy, how stupid can you be? Like, it's unbelievable, and Rangers handled the situation brilliantly by suspending Edmondson and Jordan Jones right away, you know, and the Celtic situation with ball and goalie, Chris, that could have been handled better where the story was actually ahead of Celtic, if you know what I'm saying, 
you know, before Celtic can really take any action. And I don't think Celtic did take any action, did they? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't even really know what happened. Yeah, I think um, they just came out and criticised them uh, publicly. That was it, you know. But there's no excuse for Jones. No excuse. And no excuse for Edmondson, right? Edmondson, in my opinion... I think we'll get given another chance. If he doesn't get given another chance, I don't really care. Um, because this is crucial, right? No player should be breaking these COVID rules. And a lot of people in the country are take, making sacrifices currently, you know. And we're very lucky that we're able to watch our football teams play. And the footballers are just... Like, like footballers like Jones, Edmondson, Bongoli, the Aberdeen Nate. It, it's just complete stupidity, you know. So... As I said, I'm very happy the way with I'm very happy with the the way Rangers handled it. Uh, but those bo- those two boys, by the way, hell Mendham going into a uh, a Zoom call with Steven Gerrard. <laughs> How tense and intimidated must he be, or must it when or when that happened? It'd be absolutely furious. No doubt about it. Yeah. So. I do think Emerson might be given another chance. Jones, I think he's finished at Rangers, if I'm being honest. Uh, no sympathy at all. Um, we're lucky they didn't go into training and none of the players got COVID. Uh, but we all know, as the season goes on, Chris, that every club will be affected by COVID. Celtic have already been affected by COVID. We're going to be affected by COVID. We've got another international break coming up so it's it's bound to happen it's the circumstances that we need to deal with in 2020 but there's no excuse for complete stupidity in what Jones and uh, Edmondson done so like put it this way right if I'm being honest see if this was Morelos and Goldson that done this and this is an argument I've seen on Rangers Twitter right yet some of these Rangers fans that actually try to somewhat defend Jones and Edmondson by saying, oh, what if Goals and Morelos done this, right? But that's all hypothetical, right? Let's, we're in, we're, let's live in reality. Morelos and Goldson never done something like this, right? So, yeah, <laughs> it's all ifs, buts and maybes and all fantasy stuff. As I said, live in reality. Um, Jones and Edmondson were complete idiots and they should never have went to that party. And the only reason they are uh, feeling... Any any sort of guilt or remorse is due to the fact he got caught. Simple as. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I'm just even thinking back to what Nicholas Surgeon says um, at the time of the Aberdeen eight and bowling goalie. Um, next time it's a red card. So if the situation had been played out a little bit differently, who knows? Could have been shut down. Yeah. And think how hated they'd have been. Yeah, I know. And I think the reason the uh, Nicola Sturgeon didn't criticise Rangers for it and, she, and why the Scottish Government actually praised Rangers is because Rangers acted right away. That's why. And I think it sets a real precedent for every club in Scotland that if any of uh, any any of their players break COVID protocol, needs need to be suspended right away on the spot. You need to punish them immediately because there's, uh, there's zero tolerance for this stuff. Because COVID is the biggest threat we've had in 
a generation, right? And it, there's, it's not something to mess about with at all, you know? So, yeah, that's my rant over. just had to get that off my chest. Uh, on, so, on to more positive stuff, Chris. And uh, Rangers secured another win and clean sheet in Europa League by beating Lech Poznan 1-0. Um, it was... It wasn't a fantastic Rangers performance, right? But it has to be said, the defending on the night was superb. Like Poznan, eh, they're no slouches. I think they're a very solid side. And eh, I said that last week. Eh, there's, like, I'm never going to go into a European game and get complacent thinking we're going to steamroll a team. Far from it. Um, we don't always have to win the style, Chris. Eh, and that proved eh, last Thursday against Lech Poznan. Um, but what did you make of the Rangers' performance, anyways? Um, quiet night for them. Um, Ruth um, had an overhead kick nearly go in. Um, that would have been two spectacular goals in European nights consecutively. Yeah, uh, when he took that, I was like, I hope he's. I hope this is not going to go what he said now. Where any opportunity he gets, that he's going to try and go for a, like another worldie, you know. But yeah, as you mentioned, Ruth there. He was. I don't think he'd done a whole lot in the night. He was getting in good positions uh, and stuff, but we were really missing Alfredo Morelos' uh, brilliant link-up play in the final third. And as the game went on, uh, Morelos came on, and the game was, that game was crying out for Morelos. I even put it in Scott's goal chat. I was like, we need to get Alfie on. We do. Like, the Europa League is Alfie's competition, Chris. He runs that show. <laughs> so he does 21 goals in 37 appearances in Europa League. That is tremendous. Yeah, it's a sagging amount of goals in such a short space of time. Yeah, and the goal he scored, Chris, was phenomenal. Absolute bullet of a header. No keeper was stopping that. Beautiful cross from Barisic. Uh, so it was the Mirelos, as I said, boom, bullet of a header, 1-0 up. And Gerard Subs changed the game completely. And that, as I said, that game was crying out for Morelos. And when he came on, like in the final third, we were much more productive, creative. And Alfie just gave us a new lease of life and he turned the game on its head. So, and also as well, Morelos um, equals Alan McCoy's record as a uh, top goal scorer in Europe. Yeah, didn't, didn't know that. But um, Alfie yeah, he's up there with a club legend and done done that in a much shorter span of time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tremendous what it is. And I've seen Ali on uh, uh, the post-match punditry <laughs> and uh, he was like, uh, he said something like off-air, I think it was Alan Stubbs or something said, like, well, you said to me off-air, Ali, that my goals are in the Champions League. <laughs> and then Ali was like, well, 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 but uh, the other but no, I wanted me to break it. <laughs> but that is, uh, as you said, Chris, that, that's going to be a tremendous achievement, regardless if it's in the Europa League. If Morelos tops Alan McCoy's uh, goal-scoring record in Europe, that is something, you know. But we want to see Alfie start lifting uh, some trophies, <laughs> so we do. But yeah, the only real concern the, in the game against like Poznan, where I was at, oh God, was in the first half where Alan McGregor's slow pass across the box... Um, it made, that gave me an absolute fear. I was like, what are you doing, McGregor? Like, we got, that's the only moment where I was like, oh, oh my God, holy, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you 
did did say that he had a real heart and mouth moment and that you were screaming out your TV at it, but um, yeah. Yeah, exactly, mate. But apart from that, mate, didn't cause us any real problems, you know. And delighted with the win. Absolutely delighted with it. And that, as I said earlier on, we don't always have to win in style. I thought Glenn Kamara on the night, who's in the form of his life currently, yeah, it showed some real aggression and physicality in the midfield, which I was really impressed with. Uh, so I was. Um, yeah, like happy days with that result. And tomorrow, got a tough test against uh, Benfica, Chris. So we do. Um, that will be our toughest game in the group. So it will be. And their manager uh, has been singing our praises. So he has in the press. I don't know if you've seen it, Chris. No, I haven't. Um, he's been singing our praises. He's been praising Alfredo Morelos. And he says Rangers are a team of champions. You know, um, And he says this will be the toughest game in the group, which is, he's not wrong about. And he was also saying that he thinks Rangers will qualify along with Benfica out of the group, which I think uh, is fairly realistic. I don't want to get too cocky or anything, but I did say when I seen this group that we have a good chance of getting out of it. But what do you think? Do you agree that Rangers and Benfica will be the the go-to favourites to get out of the group? Uh, yeah, definitely the way it started. And um, looking at... Benfica's results going into this game um, a 3-0 home win over Standard Liège and 4-2 away over Lech so yeah definitely I think Benfica will be the one that will probably win the group but um, can definitely see Rangers getting through behind them Yeah it's going to be interesting tomorrow um, we're obviously playing away uh, against Benfica my prediction I'm going to go with Gonna go one each. Gonna go one each, which is a good result, I think, away from home against a good side like Benfica. So, I would take the point, yeah. So I will. Yeah, he's definitely would. Um, not as good as the last time he's were out in Portugal against Braga, but um, definitely if he's got the point, can team can come home happy. Yeah, definitely, and uh, that's the thing, though, Chris. Like we've got a good record against the uh, Portuguese sides uh, as of late. Beating Braga, home and away. Porto at home, getting a draw away from home against Porto. So if we uh, avoid defeat tomorrow, um, that will be five games in total where we're undefe- undefeated against the uh, Portuguese sides, which is not a bad stat to have, you know. And uh, Porto won the Portuguese league last season and they couldn't beat us and we beat them very comfortably at Ibrox, so... Yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow. So, um, and uh, we'll go on to the Kamara game. This is where I really want to get in depth with uh, the Rangers defence as well. So, Chris, Rangers beat Kamara 1 0 uh, at the weekend. And as you know, I said in the pod last week, Kamara is a very tough place to go for Rangers. And uh, wait until we hear this stat, Chris, right? This is mental, right? So, see, since Rangers returned to the top flight, and this doesn't include the, the game against Kelly last Sunday, right? You know, we had only won seven out of the last 18 games against Kilmarnock. We had drawn six and lost five. So that just shows that Kilmarnock overall have been our bogey team since returning to the top flight. Yeah, no, it's that in recent years and years gone past, I'd say that Kelly were a team that would lie down for Rangers. But um, yeah, when... 
Steve Clark was the manager, they definitely had Rangers number. So, what did you make of Rangers' performance overall, Chris? Uh, I thought it was a very professional performance, so it was. Um, we were defensively very well organised, but what what was your thoughts overall? Uh, yeah, definitely, as you say, it's a professional performance. Um, Ryan Kent had an early shot blocked after eating fed it to him. Um, Aribo had a shot from the edge of the box over the bar. Uh, um, the penalty was an absolute stonewall penalty. Yeah, what was Ross Millen thinking? That was the, the most clear handball you'll see all day long, man. Yeah, um, plenty of people joke, joking about Rangers and penalties, but that was a clear stonewall penalty. There's not many penalties clearer than that. Um, well placed by Tavernier. Um, it was well out of the keeper's reach. Uh, keeper went right way, but right in the corner of the net, and that puts Tav into double figures on the season. Yeah, 10 goals this season for James Tavernier. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think he's actually a top goal scorer. Yeah, it must be. Um, I did go and look because I was like, he's going to end up the least top scorer this year, but I believe it's still Lewis Ferguson. Yeah, Aberdeen star, man. Yeah, so overall, mate, I thought we were in control of the game. And see, when I say control, like we were not letting Kamarnock play their game. We were dictating the play. And see, before when we went to Rugby Park, Chris, we would allow Kamarnock to get in our faces. Uh, but this time round, we didn't at all. It was very comprehensive. Knocked the ball around well. We looked sharp. But the only slight slight criticism I can I can give Rangers was we needed that second goal I thought during the game yeah, even though Kelly didn't cause us any problems the only problem they caused us was that free kick in the second half that went underneath uh, the wall and McGregor saved it you know but uh, I want to touch on the final the final third well, the fr- uh, the f- the, and uh, the front uh, three sorry so they are their work off the ball is Brilliant. They, they win the ball in good areas. They track back very well, get in good positions, contribute overall to the attack and play. But if you get what I'm saying with this saying, right, they're not on fire, if you get me. They're yeah. not, like, firing in all cylinders. If you know what I'm saying, like, like we're not having our strikers score every single game. Like, we, we have... Uh, had it previously, you know, um, but it's going to come. It's going to come. Um, Ryan Ken, his work off the ball deserves more attention and credit because yes, he's not doing all the the flashy skill moves that we all know he's capable of. But it, the way he's playing right now, he's actually contributing to the team, especially tracking back and working hard, getting in small areas and for uh, disrupting the command up play and putting him under pressure, you know, so that's how that's the way he's playing right now. I don't know if he's been instructed to play play like that, you know. But we all know it's not a cause for concern, the fact that the front three are not firing and uh, on all cylinders now. So not worried about that. Um and as you know, Chris, successful sides are built on strong defences. Strong defences, uh, sorry. And the Rangers defence this season has been sensational, it has to be said. 
Yeah, hundred percent. How many clean sheets and how many games is it? Oh, mate, I was uh, buzzing to wait, <laughs> buzzing to say this start right. This this is a brilliant start, and this just shows how different of a Rangers team this is, and how well we start the season. Right, eighteen games, sixteen wins, two draws, fifteen clean sheets. I thought it was fifteen. I didn't want to say it, and I knew you'd not for definite, so that was how I didn't commit to saying it. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, fifteen clean sheets, Chris, and. See, Goldson, he's been a real star man for us this season. And I feel as though the, the partnership with Halander and Balogun, no, sorry, uh, Halander and Goldson is tremendous. And see, because there's no fans there, Chris, you can hear the leadership from Connor Goldson. He's the captain without an armband, you know. And I feel as though in the past, the reason he was making a good few blunders and sometimes having some real stinker of games, is, was due to the the defender alongside him. Because when he was playing alongside Joe Waddle, uh, I think you remember Joe Waddle, Chris, what a bomb scare he was. When that time we went to Rugby Park in the 2018-19 season, and this is uh, our fir- this was our first game back after beating you 1-0 at Ibrox, and Kamarnock beat us 2-1, and Joe Waddle played a, a big part in us losing that game. Because remember... I think in the first half he made a horrendous mistake, which led to the commander's goal. You know, so and Connor Golson, he's came under a lot of criticism from myself and Rangers fans, but I think now we're starting to see his true qualities because he's playing alongside playing alongside somebody that he trusts. and and he him and Holanda have a brilliant partnership, and even when uh, Balogun comes in into the side, him and Golson also have a brilliant partnership. So do you think the reason Golson is flourishing currently is due to who he's playing alongside? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the other defenders rubbing off on him and it's bringing out the best in him. Um, actually, besides defending, he actually almost got another header. Um, corner skimmed off his head. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, yeah, I'm just very happy with the Rangers defence right now and as you know, right, it's it's like no real good team can win a league without a strong defence, right? And before in the past we've had defensive issues but we're in pole position this season, I think, to... don't want to say we'll win the league. I'd never want to get too ahead of myself because it's the worst thing I can do. But we're in a strong position now to go on and win, to potentially go on and win the league. Because if you any good team has a any top top team has a good defense, you always need to start right from the back, right, and then you can worry about the the final third after after that. But you always need to start off with a good good defense, and that that's something we've uh, got sorted out. You know. Yeah. Definitely, um, as she says, had defensive issues in the past, but um, don't think, well, I'm not going to say don't think, there's not a better defence in the country right now than Rangers, like, only conceding in three competitive games so far this season, says it all really, doesn't it? No, you're spot on, Chris. You know, so, yeah, I thought Ryan Jack, my boy, had a tremendous game. 
dictate the midfield tremendously well. And it just shows you the options we've got where we can make these changes. Yeah, I think we made like six changes uh, against uh, Kilmarnock. So we did six changes and it was no issue whatsoever at all. Pardon me. So yeah, like there's no real complaints with this Rangers team right now. I'm very, very happy with it. But as uh, I was saying there, the uh, I would like to see the final the third uh, the final third be a bit more what's the word? Like just score a bit score some more goals. That's all really. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. You know, so but it's not nothing really to be worried about as I was saying. Aye, that'll come. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Chris, we'll move on to the the new segment, but before we do that, um, I need to send, or we both do actually, send our condolences to Marius Zalukas' uh, family after he passed away at the weekend at the age of 36. Absolute tragic news, Chris. Yeah, sad, sad, sad news. Um, I, I don't think it was public that he was ill, Um. So yeah, very sudden sad news. Um, didn't start off like the best of hearts, but um, did go on to be. Dare I say, somewhat of a club legend, captain the two thousand twelve cup winning side and the five one thrashing of Hibs. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, he was at Rangers for one season, and it was the twenty fourteen twenty fifteen season. That's a season that Rangers fans. Uh, tend to forget because it was not a good season for us obviously because we didn't get promoted out of the championship but yeah as you were saying Chris uh, Sir Lucas was uh, seen as a Hearts icon and uh, he was a skipper that led Hearts to probably the biggest result in their history by beating Hibs 5-1 in the Scottish Cup final in 2012 you know so really sad news 36 um, it's a real shame, real shame. And uh, it's hard to move on from that. Um, but we'll uh, move on to the, mu- the news segment, Chris. And uh, have you got any news, se- uh, news stories sorry, that have uh, came up over the last few days in the, the, the um, beautiful world of the Scottish football? Uh, well, yeah. Um, James Forrest, uh, he's had his ankle surgery now. He's expected to be out till the new year. So definitely going to miss him um, going into the rest of the European campaign and indeed the New Year Old Firm. Um, I think if we're going to be playing the 4-2-3-1 again, um, him and Frimpong down the right, that could be quite the partnership. Yeah. So, uh, James, Fo- uh, James Forrest will be a big loss and I remember he was coming under a lot of criticism from Celtic fans. Uh, but since he's out of the team, Celtic fans have completely changed their tune where they're like, yeah, get Forrest back to the team, we're missing you, missing you, you know, it's... Very fickle in my opinion. So, any other uh, new stories that you've uh, managed to dig up? Anything like worth mentioning? Uh, um, well, SFA, £4.5 million pound shortfall. I, I expect a lot of that's down to COVID, um, so redundancies expected. Um, yeah, no, 100%. Um, but do you know what? I mean, that's horrible news to hear, right? And uh, everyone is affected by COVID. But the thing that um, pisses me off is the fact that Neil Doncaster is going to be sitting on at least 300k a year. And 
by the looks of the by the looks of things, he won't be taking a wage cut anytime soon, which is utterly disgraceful. No, especially the standard of a job he does. Yeah, exactly. It's embarrassing, so it is. Um, so uh, what's the next one, Chris? Uh, um, well, fewer than half of the 42 SPFL clubs are in favour of granting the SPFL permission to curtail the season if it comes to it. Oh, really? I sure didn't know yeah. this. So just say there's a massive, massive outbreak in COVID, right? And just say we're in January time. But and Rangers are top, so Rangers will get handy the league title. Um, haven't read the full story. It was just like the headline I read, really. But um, yeah, if it goes up and there, um, who knows what's going to happen? Bit of a grey area. Cause right, let's see if that's the case. Right, uh, if the se- the season gets curtailed in like January, February, right, and Rangers are top. I'm not proud of it, right? But the president was set last year when Celtic were handed the title, so we need to, there needs to be continuity with that. Rangers need to be handed the title if that's the case. If we're going to if we're yeah. going to call the season early, like you can't just say okay, oh it's it's January time, um, we'll just make it null and void. Well, look what happened last season. There was eight games to go. Celtic at that point had not mathematically won the league title. There was two old firms to play. It was still all up for grabs. Yes, Celtic were 12 points clear or so, right? But anything still could have happened, you know? So, as I was saying there, the president is set. Can't change it now. Uh, but, fingers crossed it doesn't come to that and we can officially conclude the season with all 38 games played. Yeah, I'm hoping we don't have a repeat for that. Regardless of who wins, you do what you see. Let the team win out having played out all the games but um, if it does come to it um, and yeah the president said there'll be well it'd be a bit hypocritical by some Celtic fans if they came out and said that oh, they get handed the title at Stockton 10 well we get handed the title so and we were quite happy enough about it so double standards really No you're spot on mate you're absolutely spot on um, so is there anything else that you Managed to dig up before we move on to the the fixtures uh, predictions. Um, I'll just run through a few stories. Um, uh, how many you got anyway? Uh, how many you got anyway? Uh, just uh, two more, two three more. I um, go for it. Mate. Name them all. Name them all. Uh, well, Scotland playoffs just over a week away. Um, Lee Griffiths is back in the Scotland squad. Craig Gordon's back in the squad. Um, no room for Scott Bain, even though he's looked all right between the Celtic posts. Yeah, that is, that is true. You know, like uh, as of late, Scott Bain has uh, been like fairly com- uh, competent uh, in the Celtic goals. You know, so I know you were quite surprised at that uh, decision. Um, Griffiths, uh, I'm not actually surprised they got called up. To be honest, uh, because. As of late, when he's came off the the Celtic bench, uh, he's done well, you know. So, and Craig Gordon, as we were saying earlier on, <coughs> yeah. I think uh, he deserves to get called up just purely based on that performance against uh, Hibs in the Scottish Cup semi. Um, so yeah, I can I can understand the Griffiths and Gordon call up, uh, but Bain though I think 
the the option for Gordon instead made sense due to the fact that Gordon's got more experience at international level. So I think that's why he's went with that one. Yeah, I don't don't think Steve Clark's got much a soft spot for Scott Bain and John McLaughlin. He's fell out of favour at Rangers, but he's managed to retain his place in the squad. Yeah, and I don't think it's anything to do with John McLaughlin uh, playing bad at Rangers. It's just because Alan McGregor's a better goalkeeper. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that one made like sense, to be honest, uh, having McLaughlin in the team. But, yeah, interesting. A um, couple last stories. Um, St Mirren are playing on Friday night their first game in 27 days because of games being postponed because of COVID. Um, I think the club are still subject to investigation into potential breaches of protocol, so we'll keep our eye on that one. 27 Uh, days, wow. Yeah, I didn't realise it. Um, Finally as well, um, we were talking about um, the Goldson and Edmondson. Frimpong had a missus over. She arrived from the United States and she failed to isolate properly. She was out at Nando's a few hours after it and um, a professor said how Frimpong could have ran the risk of passing it on to his teammates. Yeah, that was a dodgy one. Uh, quite irresponsible, in my opinion, uh, from Frimpong. So it was. And uh, oh, <laughs> it, didn't seem, it didn't really seem to work out for him, to be honest, mate, because... The girl went to the press and completely lambasted him. Uh, yeah, it was mad. So it was, and yeah, but it was a complete waste of time, you know. And she actually called him gay, you know, like there's anything up with that, you know. But that that girl just seems like a real nasty piece of work. I ain't saying he'd get shot if he set foot in America, um, but. Uh... I thought it was a bit dodgy because obviously America's the worst hit country in the world, so I'm not isolating properly, in fact, arriving in general and then holding herself up with a footballer who's going and mixing with teammates. Um, very, very lit, dodgy situation there. Um, the SPFL did insist that no club bubble rules were broken, but um, yeah, I don't really think it should have had her. Yeah. And uh, I think he'll definitely learn from that, that's for sure, you know. Um, but, yes, he needs yes. to know better than that. He needs to know better. And you made a good point, Chris. Like, America's, like, the most hit country in the world with COVID. So, I just daft, to be honest. But hopefully it hopefully does, uh, like obviously, hopefully nothing comes from it. But by the looks of things, uh, everything seems to be okay. But, like, I th- hopefully... Like other footballers in the country can take note of that and not be dafties and, and invite like females uh, over from other countries, you know. But that being said, obviously the international breaks happening, so I think some clubs will get hit with more COVID cases, you know. But before we move on to the, the fixtures for this weekend, the SPFL, uh, 27 days since St Mirren last played a game, wow. Like you're going to see some. <laughs> some of the players being really rusty uh, this weekend in the play, so that, that'll be an interesting affair, you know, and plus as well, man, no wonder Graham's been quiet about St Mirren <laughs> they've not been playing, I've not even noticed <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on with 
So um, the the first game of the SPFL this weekend is on Friday night. Uh, in fact, they're actually all on Friday. <laughs> so they are. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're all yeah, on Friday. Aye, they're all on Friday. Um, yeah. So Aberdeen versus Hibs uh, tomorrow night. Hibs will be looking to bounce back after getting beat in the Scottish Cup semi-final to their nearest and dearest rivals going to Pataudry. Uh Chris, how do you see this one going? Um, well, looking at the form, Hibs haven't been in their best of form. Um, that play in the League Cup um, during the first international break. Um, they'd get away win at Kelly, which is a tough place to go, but um, Aberdeen two weeks ago, three each at Pataudry against Celtic, um, didn't really show up in the semi-final, but um, I'll give Aberdeen a 1-0 win here. I'm going to go for a one each. Uh, County Levy? Um, I'll say 2-1 County. I'm going to go for one each. Uh, another one. Uh, St Johnston versus Kilmarnock? I'm at Dermot Park. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Kelly. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I was just about to say as well. 2-1 Kelly, I'll agree with you on that one. St Mirren, Dundee United. First game in 27 days. As I was saying, some of the St Mirren players will be very rusty and the Dundee United will see this as a great opportunity to get three points in a team that's not played in like near enough a month. Yeah, I'll say on that basis, 3-1 to Dundee United. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2-0 Dundee United. Uh, if Dundee United drop any points... They've got no excuse. Like they should be beating a Sydney team that's not played in near enough a month. Um, Marlborough versus Celtic at uh, for Park. Um, I'll say. Well, just looking at form here, um, I didn't realise it was five one to Rangers. Uh, um, uh, for Park. I uh, we battered on that day, so we did. Um, I'll say. Uh, I'll say 3-1 to Celtic. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Celtic. And uh, <laughs> Rangers versus Aki's at Ibrox. Uh, that'll be a 1-0 Celtic. Yeah, I'll say 1-0 Rangers here. I agree with you on that. 4-0 Rangers. So Chris, good episode as always, my man. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss all the antics of uh, Scottish football and especially the old firm. So until next time next time guys, take care and we'll see you soon.